What is going on, everyone? This is Drew Code Sports Talk, and I am your host, Andrew Wright. And over in Clovis, CA, is my co-host, Cody Johnson. Cody. What is going on, everybody? Yes, we are back. It's been a minute. We were on hiatus because Drew had some well-earned vacation that he had to take with the fam. And he golf cheated on me. So, you know, I finally said, yes, we can do the show after he begged several times. But anyways, guys, we're back and we have a fantastic episode for you guys. A bunch of NFL talk, uh, some baseball talk, which I know Drew is really chomping at the bit about. Anyways, guys, let's get started. All right. Well, yes, we are back. I am off of my vacation marathon, and uh, I am back, and we are ready to go, man. It, it's been, what, two, three weeks? Uh, luckily, we got to do a home run derby before I kind of went on, uh, you know, um, vacation marathon. So, uh, actually, in between, really. But anyway, it was really nice to at least be able to do that. So, big shout out to. Uh, you know, from the Backseat Podcast, um, Annie and Matt, who also joined us from their podcast as well. Uh, that was just a ton of fun. We had so many videos from that. The funniest part of that whole episode was when Matt was trying to win some money. and He muted all of us and we were just talking so much smack. They were like, this guy is probably sweating bullets. So it was a great time, but it was also very nice to go on vacation, uh, not even sniff 70 degree weather it was just beautiful uh over by the beach for a whole week it was beautiful we had a ton of fun uh was with my kids i had to do uh two school finals while i was over there and my wife was simply amazing she did most of it uh i was just kind of there supervising it but hey we got an A on it, so I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, so it was it was all good, and it was it was a fun trip. And uh, I'm glad to be back home, though. I missed my bed. Um, I missed uh, staying at my house, having kind of not necessarily alone time because I'm watching the kids, but I at least get my uh, where I can just kind of like sit and and do whatever I'm supposed to be doing. So it's fun to be back. But Cody, how are you doing, man? I haven't seen you in a while. I know it's been a minute uh, doing pretty well, obviously working as always, as you know, and, uh, you know, we did have a great time at the uh, home run derby stream party. It was great. Uh, everyone was a blast and we had a great time. It went a little bit longer than expected, but it, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, man. And then when you guys got back, we had dinner and, uh, you know, we got to yeah. host, host your daughter and my daughter had a sleepover together. So that was a lot of fun. And, uh, just been talking about getting the show started again. So, which has been really exciting. And, you know, you and I have been poloing back and forth about what to talk about all the stuff happening in today's world. And there's so many sports stories that we probably talked about that we won't get to, but just being able to do this tonight, it's, uh, it's finally here. So it's really nice. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, Cody, as you said, there's a lot of baseball going on. Obviously the MLB trade deadline had just happened. Um, which was um, a lot of big news. I mean, uh, one of the more popular ones, as we're going to talk about in a second, was Juan Soto and Josh Bell going to the Nash, or excuse me, going to the Padres from the Nationals. Um, and then we also saw Josh Hader go from the Brewers to the Padres, which was an interesting choice for the Brewers. Um, you know, the Giants made a couple of moves. A lot of people thought they might be sellers. 
Obviously, in hindsight, now it's kind of looking like maybe should have been sellers. But at the same time, we still are in a position where we can get to the postseason. Uh, a lot of Giants fans are already down on the Giants. They're like, well, we, we should have given up. And, you know, is Gabe Kapler really the manager that we should have? Is Farhan Zadi, uh, should he continue to be the GM? Giants fans, let me talk to you. It's okay. We just came off of a 107-win season. We beat the Dodgers the last very, the last second, the last game. We had one more game than the Dodgers. We won the NL West. We barely lost to them in in uh, the, the postseason. It's okay. It's okay that we're not having another 107-game win season. Why? We lost a lot of guys. Okay? We lost a lot of our guys. We've had a lot of injuries this year. We didn't. We don't have Kevin Gosman this year. Johnny Cueto actually has been really good for the White Sox this year. We don't have him anymore. It's just on Logan Webb and Carlos Rodon, um, and so it's okay. It's okay to have a down year. Gabe Kapler is not bad as a manager. He's still doing the same things. Our defense just isn't playing as well, and our rotation isn't as good. Obviously, the bullpen has been completely depleted. And uh, it's just, it's yes, has it been great this year? No, it hasn't. But it's okay. We're still going to be okay. And now there's talks that Aaron Judge could possibly be a free agent. And one of the destinations, at least his top three teams, uh, one of those would be the Giants. And now I actually saw a report where Shohei Otani is supposed to be a uh, free agent in 2024. So possibly at the trade deadline or... Uh, next offseason, um, Shohei Otani would also have the Giants on his top three list. So, it can be okay. <laughs> I promise I promise you. Farhan Zadi has saved his money so that we could potentially get these big-name guys. And there's no even guarantee that Juan Soto is going to stay with San Diego. I believe he is not this year, but next year he is going to be a free agent as well in 2024. So, Take a deep breath, Giants fans. It'll be okay. I, I promise you. It's okay. And we're still, this is the funny thing, we're still in a postseason push. So I know it looks dark and gloom. You know, we're under 500. We can still do things and still win. So it'll be okay. I promise. I feel like that <laughs> message was for me, but okay. No, it was for, uh, I saw a on KNBR, which is a uh, Bay Area radio, and I, I follow them because, um, when I get when I go to the Bay Area a lot, actually my dad, I would travel with him uh, for his work a long time ago, and uh, we would always listen to KNBR when we were close to the Bay Area, and mm-hmm. so that was like that was like the sports radio that you listen to in the Bay Area, and so I follow him on Twitter, and they someone uh, one of the guys on there was saying, you know, I've lost faith in Gabe Kapler, lost faith in Farhan Zadi, uh, you know, probably Gabe Kapler should get another year. Anxiety, maybe uh, be overrated, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and it's just like, listen, it's not even that bad of a year. Like we're still, you're like, right, <laughs> we're still in the thick of things. So I understand. Last year was great. This year we've just had a lot of problems with injuries. Can't stay healthy. Obviously, the defense has not been playing how it should be. But we did lose a lot of guys from last year to this year. It doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it, but we did. Obviously, Buster Posey being one of the bigger names that we lost. So. It's okay. I promise. We'll be okay. And honestly, what's funny about it is Joey Bart is actually starting to really hit really well. 
So it's just kind of funny that everyone's like, oh my god. It's like, okay, yes, we got swept by the Dodgers. The Dodgers are phenomenal, okay? So mm-hmm. it'll be okay. If we can keep winning games, uh, we might have an, I think we have another series in September against the Dodgers, or maybe two. I, I have to, I'd have to look at the schedule, but um, I know we have at least one. And if we could, if we get momentum going into that series, we could beat them. So it's, it'll be okay. I'm, I, 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 overreaction, man. Baseball, it's a long season. I know we say it's only like two and a half more months. That's two and a half more months where you're playing almost every single day. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Enough of the Giants talk. I wasn't even going to talk about it, but it's just, I just saw that video. All right. I saw that, um, uh, the article, and I was like, oh my god, can we stop with this? She's, <laughs> we just came off a great year. We've had yeah. some injuries. It's okay that we aren't as good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right, Cody. <laughs> so let's talk about the big trade of the MLB trade deadline. Obviously, as we kind of already mentioned, Juan Soto, the outfielder from the Nationals, and the first baseman, Josh Bell, uh, gets traded to the Padres. In exchange, the Nationals get um, a lot of the good uh, or top prospects in the Padres organization. The Nationals get left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore, who I really like. Um, He's actually already been kind of pitching for the Padres, and he's been really good. He's had a couple of mishaps, but you expect that with a rookie pitcher. Uh, Shortstop C.J. Abrams, another guy who... He kind of got called up a little too early because of Tatis's um, injury that he had uh, in the offseason. So they kind of looked to Abrams, and he wasn't really ready yet. Um, he was actually starting to kind of get going, but now with all these trades, um, and obviously him being on the Nationals now, he'll probably be in AAA. He'll probably, honestly, I think he'll be called up probably middle of next year sometime uh, from the Nationals, and or even maybe he may even start this year. I, I'm not sure, but... Um, I would I would be surprised if he was uh, playing for Washington um, in the starting ro- starting lineup this uh, the end of the year here. Um, then they also got first baseman Luke Voigt, who is obviously a guy who's already in the majors, so he is a guy who will be playing probably every day. Uh, who he didn't get a chance to when he was in San Diego. Uh, when he was in New York, he was really playing every single day. Now he went to San Diego, really wasn't playing every single day. Kind of trading off with Eric Hosmer. Uh, so Voight will probably get a little bit more of a uh, repetition and probably actually hit better, to be honest. Uh, outfielder Robert Hassel III. Now, he's probably, in my opinion, probably the best uh, prospect out of all these players. He's probably going to be the guy who, if you're going to expect a star to come out of this trade, if you're the Washington Nationals, Hassel is the guy. Um, and then outfielder James Wood. And I, Cody, I told you yesterday, I at first <laughs> when I actor. saw James Wood, I thought James Woods. And I was like, oh, I remember yep. that actor. Not him. He's, this is a different guy. This kid's a lot younger. Um, and then a right-handed picture, Harleen Susanna, um, who is a, uh, probably will be a bullpen guy eventually. Um, I doubt he'll be called up in the next two years, but really good, really good prospects. These are all really guys who who will eventually be in the majors, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the Nationals got what they were looking for. Um, and I think, obviously, the Padres got what they were looking for. But, Cody, this is a question I'm going to pose first, is are the Padres the favorite out of the, out of the National League right now? 
Well, even though they did get Juan Soto, Josh Bell, they even actually cleared up a ton of cap space by getting rid of Eric Hosmer, which I know that our our uh, you know friends of the pod uh, from the backseat uh, podcast guys, I know that they were excited about that. They made their feelings really known about how they felt about him. So, you know, clearing that cap space, I'm sure they were jumping for joy. But I'm actually going to still side with the Dodgers being the NL favorites. I like their pitching rotation and their bullpen a lot more. Uh, I trust their lineup a little bit more. They have a big three that I think is a little bit more in sync this season. Uh, I mean, you have uh, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts have built, played a couple of seasons already together, not in, not including Freddie Freeman, who's been basically just a perfect uh, you know, bat for that lineup and he can go literally anywhere in the lineup. Yeah. Um, and then you still have some players like Justin Turner that's still hitting Cody Bellinger. That's basically, you know, at the last batting position, which, you know, he's still a pretty good bat, even though he's gone through his slumps, you know, at any given point, you know, he can take one out of, of, uh, of the yard. So I still would say the Dodgers, I think the Padres are a, you know, a close second, but I would also like to see too, like, you know, the Mets are have made some moves as well. They have a really good starting rotation, bullpen not so much. So, you know, I would say that the Padres are probably the second favorite, uh, you know, behind the Dodgers. But I would say, like, you know, the Mets also might be second best as well or um, third. Just depends just because, you know, uh, with the manager that they have in, in uh, Buck Showalter and Again, all the players that they brought in this offseason, they're going to be a tough team to beat come October. So we'll see. But I'm going to say that it's the Dodgers as of right now. Yeah, I would. I, I agree. I think, listen, the Padres, are they better than what they were? Yes. Honestly, this trade was fine for me. I know a lot of people, a lot of Padres fans were a little worried about giving away like the whole farm. But as Clark um, from the Backseat Podcast, another you know shout out for them. So I think I think we're... I think we should get paid for every one that we shout them yeah. out for now. <laughs> anyway, um, and if you guys are listening and we know that you are, you definitely uh, better give us some of that money. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, anyway, invoices in the mail. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but really, I, I, they're, they're a lot better. And Juan Soto, as like I said, like Clark said, he's a generational talent. And we forget, this guy is like, what, 22 years old? He's still so young. This guy, and and let's be honest, as much as I want Juan Soto to go to the Giants, of course I would want that. The, real al- the reality of it is Giants fans didn't want him to go to the Padres, A, because we're going to have to face him, obviously, this year, and we're still trying to push for the playoffs. B, because uh, Juan Soto, if you're staying in San Diego for a couple of months, you may want to stay for the rest of your career. Okay, and that's yep. what we don't want. We don't want to have to face him for the rest of our career or rest of his career. So that is the issue for like Giants fans, NL West fans in general, uh, any of mm-hmm. those teams. You don't want to see Juan Soto in your division if he's not on your team, um, and rightfully so. This guy is a generational talent. To me, I I always thought that I don't. I'm, I wasn't sure about this kid, but ever since I started watching him play. This guy has been phenomenal. Um, he's mm-hmm. to me, he is a five-tool guy. I know a lot of people are down on him on his defense. I think his defense is actually really good. 
Um, I think he's a young guy. He does make mistakes, and I think he's only going to get better as he grows in the game. So for me, Juan Soto is a generational talent, is a guy that you want to keep. He's a guy just like, I think he's better than Fernando Tatis, in my opinion. I know that's going to be a huge controversy once this comes out. But to be perfectly honest, I think Juan Soto is a better hitter, a better pure hitter. He is a guy who, yes, he has mm-hmm. pop, but he also knows when to, hey, I just need a base hit. He doesn't always try and go for the big play. He's just trying to get that win. And I feel like Fernando mm-hmm. Tatis is still a little bit in the mode of, I, I want to hit a home run. You know, I want to hit that home run. I want to make that spectacular play in, in uh, on defense. And he does kind of make some errors. Again, he's young as well. He could be better than Juan Soto. But for me right now, I believe Juan Soto is the better player. Um, I think Juan Soto mm-hmm. is probably the best, if not if not top three uh, players in Major League Baseball right now. Talking about just strictly position mm-hmm. players. Um he is one of the best in the game. And, um, you know, C.J. Abrams, maybe he could be that. Uh, Robert Hassel, maybe he could be that. But listen, Juan Soto, we know he is that. And that is yeah. the, that's the key for me. If you're a Padres fan, if you're, you're any MLB team, would you mm-hmm. rather go with a guy who, yes, he knows how to do it, he can do it for still a very long time, or am I going to go with the maybe? Well, you're going to go with the known mm-hmm. commodity. You're going to go with the Juan Soto because he's obviously proven that he can do it and be successful at it. So, And on a really bad team, he was still doing really well. And even this year, he was hit, he was only uh, hitting 246 this year with the Nationals. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of it was he was... He's not. He doesn't strike out a ton, but he walks a lot too. So his he doesn't have as many at bats as a lot of other, you know, players because he actually was leading at one point was leading the league in walks. So Juan Soto mm-hmm. to me is is a guy that you trade for every day that ends in Y. I mean, you're going to trade for yeah. him. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so um, this was a smart move for the Padres. The only concern I have though is that bullpen. Mm-hmm. They traded for Josh yeah. Hader, which was a great move. But you got rid of Taylor right. Rogers. They got rid of a couple of other arms for him. Um, and so I understand what the Brewers were trying to do in the sense of we're trying to get more depth in our bullpen. And I understand what the Padres were doing. We need more consistency at the closing, picture, uh, closing position, which Josh Hader, he's had a couple of bad outings. As Giants fans, we have seen it. The fact of the matter is, he's still the best closer in the game. Absolutely. He's been the mm-hmm. most consistent the last, like, three years. He's been the best closing pitcher. And so I understand why the Padres did it, but they did get rid of a lot of depth in that bullpen to get him. So I'm a little worried about that. So you're you're now putting a little more pressure on your starting rotation. And to be frank, that San Diego Padres rotation is not as good as I thought they were going to do. Now, could they clean it up? Of course. But Mike Clevenger, he's kind of hit and miss right now, and he's been injured a lot. You Darvish, mm-hmm. I still don't trust him. He's having a good year, but I do feel like he just has these really weird outings where they need him to do really well, and he just completely just <laughs> hits the ground. Yeah. Um, Sean Manaya, I really like, but he is a guy who will put the ball in play. And he will give up some runs. Um, and then Joe Musgrove, obviously, other than him having uh, the, his last starting pitch uh, or his last outing, 
believe yesterday, um, has been the best pitcher in baseball, in my opinion, at that time. Uh, and then Blake Snell, he has not been the Blake Snell of Tampa Bay. So there is a little concern for me and that's why I picked the Dodgers. Exactly what you said, Freeman, Mookie, uh, even though, you know, Justin Turner has had not had the greatest of years. He still is a guy that I always worry about right now. He's injured Muncie. You still have to worry about him, even though, um, he is, the worst hitting ball player in in the game right now. Um, He still can hit home runs at any point in time. And that's all they need him to do right now and play a little defense. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does. Gavin Lux is a really good ball player. I feel like he needs to play more. Chris Taylor. I just saw he was in triple a on assignment. Um, He looks good. He's going to be coming back from injury. So that's another depth that they're getting. The Dodgers are still the dominant team. Yes, they lost Kershaw, but as we have seen already, they lost Walker Bueller. They had lost Kershaw earlier, and they were still dominant. And so mm-hmm. when those guys do come back for postseason play, and trust me, they will, you are then going to see how dominant this team can be. So for me, I agree. I think the Dodgers are the team to beat. The Padres are a very good team, and they're probably one of the teams that I would pick, one of the few teams I would pick over anyone. Um, I would probably mm-hmm. still put the Yankees over them because what they did at the trade deadline was really good as well. So I'll I'll probably have the Yankees over the Padres. But right now, the Padres, at least in the NL West, are the only other team the Dodgers really need to worry about. Well, we'll see when uh, postseason comes around. I Again, I kind of agree with you. I don't really uh, believe in Darvish. I think... You know, he's having a, a really good regular season. I think the postseason, though, is a whole different ball game, and uh, I don't know how he'll do with that. Same with Blake, Blake Snell. For some reason, uh, ever since he left uh, Tampa, he's just never been the same. Um, and we'll see. I mean, I think what makes it scary is uh, they're making a run this year, but I think that the Padres uh, are built for the next couple of years to make a, a deep push. But if the yep. Dodgers stay intact, I think that they will still hold off the Padres because I made this point on our, our stream party, you know, a couple of weeks ago that, uh, you go, you know, everyone is kind of talking about the Dodgers, the farm system and the players that they bring in and develop. And I just made the point there. They kind of remind me of the Golden State Warriors of, of baseball. And that was kind of yep. like a perfect analogy. And the Padres remind me of when the Houston Rockets were trying to bring in all this high talent shooting to compete with that just to hopefully get past the Warriors, so to speak. So I feel like that's what the Padres are doing. So the next few years, they'll be competitive. But I think unless something major happens with the Dodgers, I still think that they run that division and honestly probably run the National League as of this moment. I don't see very many teams leaping them right now. And, uh, you know, so we'll see. As Giants fans, we don't want to say that. But if we're being honest, baseball, you know, the baseball people – there's just no way to avoid that. Dodgers are probably best team in all of baseball and yeah. everybody else is basically trying to catch up to them. So agreed, agreed, agreed. No problems there. All right, Cody. So, um, you want me to do my, uh, my top five power rankings? Yes, sir. I think this might surprise people. I think it might. Um, now I, I, I wrote on the notes and we probably won't get to it, but I did write my top 10 just in case, you know, you were having any questions about it. So that's why I wrote it. So if you had anything, you're like, well, how can you have them here instead of top five or whatever? Mm -hmm. I can kind of go into that. So if you did, let me know. But um, so I'll go to my top five first here. I'll start with number one. I've had the Yankees here for a long time, probably 
all of this season so far. Um, I have the Dodgers at number one after watching the Giants series. Now, Mm -hmm. again, as we just talked about, the Giants have had a lot of injuries. They're not as good as they were last year. That's I don't think that's controversial at all. I think that's just truth. Okay, Mm -hmm. but from what I've seen from the Dodgers in that series is they had a lot of two out hits in both series. We were, I was in Morro Bay watching uh, the the Dodgers Giants series with my in laws, who are all Dodger fans. So of course I was hearing all of that the whole time. Mm-hmm. But there was two out hits every. I mean, every inning there were two outs, and Dodgers would get a hit, whether they got a run in or not. It was very impressive. And then you saw in San Francisco the same thing was happening. They were constantly two outs in the inning. Runners on base, runners not on base, whatever it was, they were getting on base, and then they were scoring runs as well. It was very impressive, to say the least. The Dodgers, that is impressive. It doesn't matter what team you're going against. If you're getting hits with two outs, you're getting walks with two outs, and you're starting a rally, and you're and you're taking advantage of it, that's a scary team. And it's not like they're, the Dodgers pitching was actually that phenomenal. The Giants were getting runs. It was just that this offense is that good. So that's why when Kershaw or or Bueller are out, this is still a very scary team because Mookie can constantly get a home run, can get a hit. He's another one of the guys I love watching playing because Mookie just does everything that you need him to do. He is a five-tool player at its best. And I love five-tool players because they're not guys who are trying to just crush home runs every time. You need a guy who knows how to win. Mookie Betts knows how to win. That's why the Dodgers were smart and said, hey, let's bring Freddie Freeman on our team because he knows how to win. Hey, he just won a World Series with the Atlanta Braves. So he knows how to win, and they were smart in getting him. And you're seeing it. Freddie Freeman, He's he figures out ways to win. Uh, when he's at the plate, he knows what to do. Uh, Trey Turner is having a phenomenal year. I think he deserves more credit than, than what he's getting right now. He's so fast. Um, I think he's a, he's a good fielder. Um, he's got a good arm. And he's got a really good bat. And his power is not talked about enough. It should be. Uh, he's just one of those five tools. It's crazy to me, too, that I'm just thinking about this right now, that the Nationals had, at one point, Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Max Scherzer. I mean, geez, you guys should have just <laughs> tried to do something. Stop trading everyone. Well, God. they did win the World Series a few years ago. So, I mean, was this yeah. COVID? Uh, was it during the COVID-shortened season, right? No, that was Dodgers. That was the oh, Dodgers okay. season. Yeah. So, listen. Nationals, I don't know what you're doing. But anyway, I have the Dodgers at number one. Number two, I have the New York Yankees. The Yankees did a lot at the trade deadline that I liked. First of all, number one, they got rid of Joey Gallo. That was smart. And that was a little weird for me. The Dodgers went after him. But Mm -hmm. after kind of thinking about it, it's, hey, let's see what he does with the change of scenery. If it doesn't work out, whatever. We don't really have to play him because we don't necessarily need him. Right. Uh, they just added a big bat, a scary bat to, um, to see if, Hey, if he can jack one every now and then shoot, we're, we're golden. That's all we need every now and then, you know, that's why they keep playing Max Muncy because yeah. <laughs> Hey, if he gets a hold of one, he gets a hold of one and that's all we really need. So the Yankees for me, number two, uh, they did a lot of, uh, 
beefing up in their bullpen. Uh, their offense is fine, but they did just lose Stanton. Um, and um, their rotation has kind of started, as I figured. I, I believe I said it on the podcast here, too. I felt like they're going, after the All-Star break, they were going to kind of scale back a little bit. They're going to start losing a few more games. But that's mm-hmm. really going to be a lot of teams who are trying to make a postseason push. They're just trying to be healthy, so they're just going to put out guys who are even more healthy, even if they're not going to help them win. It's just right. going to be more to get guys experience and get other guys healthy. So, uh, Yankees at two. For me, the Houston Astros are number three. They made a lot of moves, and I think they deserve a little bit more credit for, for what they did here in the trade deadline and that they continue to win. Their rotation, pitching rotation, is not the greatest. But it is, obviously, with Justin Verlander at the helm and everyone else below him, they have just been super consistent. Now, bullpen is still a little sketchy for me, but this is a good offensive team, and they're going to continue to hit. I really like the Houston Astros. Um, I think the Houston Astros are a team that we really have to worry about uh, come, come playoff time because... They just find ways to win, and it's kind of weird how often I see them winning. And they went after Will Smith, who is not Will Smith when he was with San Francisco, but he is a uh, still a really good arm to have in the bullpen. Again, he has that experience, and that's what you need. They went after Christian Vasquez, which I thought was weird that Boston was willing to trade him, but they did. Uh, I thought that was a great pickup. And my favorite all-time pickup that they got during the trade deadline was Trey Mancini. I love Trey Mancini. I love that trade so much for them. Yes. And I'm I'm so happy that he's now on a team that has the potential potential to win. So Mm -hmm. they addressed catcher, which wasn't a strong suit for them. They addressed first base, who Yuli Gurriel is okay, but I think Mancini is that much better. And... um, and then they addressed their their bullpen, which they got Will Smith. So this is a this is an interesting team, and this is a team that you really really need to worry about uh, if you're any team going into the postseason. Uh, then at my number four, I have the New York Mets. Now this might come to as a surprise. I almost put the Padres here, but I think that. What the Mets have been doing, and they've still been consistent. I thought they were going to trail off here, which they have. They haven't been winning as much, but they mm-hmm. are still a very good team. And I do feel like with now Jacob Degrom back and the way he looked in the first game, he uh, he was pitching, he looked really good. I mean, today the Mets and Braves did play as we're recording this on uh, Friday, August fifth. They lost to the Braves nine to six. They're still scoring runs. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, you know, Taiwan Walker, I'm not as I'm not very high on Taiwan Walker, so I'm not going to go into all of that, but this is a good team. You get Jacob DeGrom back. Chris Bassett is starting to starting to get back to where he was. Carlos Carrasco was actually pitching really well. Edwin Diaz last year I was kind of like, I don't know about Edwin Diaz. This year he has proven that hey, I can get back to where I was. Uh, which is mm-hmm. a dominant closing p- picture, and and he's been really good. I really like their bullpen with Adovino, May, Lugo. Um, I like those guys. Obviously, I just mentioned Diaz, um, and then you, of course you have Max Scherzer, and I know they're throwing out Taiwan Walker. Uh, we'll see if he uh, he might be like more of a spot starter once um, 
uh, once Peterson comes back, which he should be coming back tomorrow. Their catching, posi- their catching position is not great. They just added Darren Ruff, who's going to add, who's a good pitch, uh, pinch hitter and you know spot starter here and there. Jeff McNeil is a great contact guy. Uh, Lindor is a superstar. Escobar has been has having a really good year. Mark Canna is a good uh, outfielder. He can hit. Brandon Nemo has been actually very underrated for that team. And then Starling Marte has been an absolute superstar. It needs to be talked about more. Um, and of course, I'm not going to talk about him right now. But <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> they've they've been really good. And, and looking forward, I think this team is going to be strong. Uh, and then you have the San Diego Padres. Listen, as I said, this bullpen, I'm still a little worried about it. Um, and Juan Soto, he looks fine as a Padre. Josh Bell has been hitting really well. So he, they've already improved those positions. But like I said, that rotation is starting to kind of look like mm, that could be possibly a, a problem. And the bullpen, you have to get to Josh Hader to use Josh Hader. And I think that's going to be the biggest obstacle for the Padres is the middle of that uh, that bullpen is going to be a little struggling. So you're asking more of that rotation. I don't know if you can. We'll see what happens. But I do think they're still going to make it to the postseason. I'm just talking about postseason-wise. I'm a little worried about the Padres, so I'm going to put them at five just because uh, they have they haven't been like spectacular since they made the trade um, mm-hmm. or coming out of the All Star break. So they're going to have to do some work, but uh, that's my top five. Run it down for us one more time. So one, I have the Dodgers. Two, I have the Yankees. Uh, three, I have the Astros. Four, I have the Mets and the Padres at five. Right on Dark Horse, I'd say, and I know you have him at number 10 as the Cardinals on a five-game win streak. And also, I'm surprised you – I know that you have the Braves. I think you have them at six. Yes. But our argument could be made that could easily squeak into number five, and I think I know why you're not putting them there quite yet. I think it's because they're, they're, they're uh, pitching in their bullpen. I don't think you trust it as much as the Padres, but – I mean, yeah. Braves are uh, Braves are actually uh, uh, I think a uh, underrated team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they you know shock some people come the postseason because I do think that they'll get into one of the wild card spots, and uh, you know it's just even though they lost Freeman, you know they they got your favorite guy Matt Olson, and they've got some other hitters in there. So I mean, don't be surprised if they uh, if they uh, turn it up come the end of the season. So. I, I honestly, I, I'm worried about their starting rotation. That's, I really don't like the Braves' starting rotation. I think it could be way better um, at any time. These guys are susceptible to just being out in the second inning. I mean, it's uh, I, I feel like they're either on their game and, and you know they'll give up like three runs, which is okay, and, and they have a good enough offense to overcome that. But then there's games where I feel like their starting pitching could give up like eight runs. And, uh, yeah. and so, and then their bullpen isn't fantastic. It's been pretty good this year though. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, I am a little worried about, about all that. So for me, yeah, I, I definitely worry about the Braves, uh, pitching more than anything else. All right, Cody. Well, there's some other news that happened and we're going to talk about NFL now though. Um, we could go on and on about baseball, but I think we need to talk about the biggest news in, in the NFL, and that is the Deshaun Watson um, suspension. 
First initial suspension is six games by um, uh, former judge Sue Robinson, who is supposed to be the third party to um, come up with this, so that way it's not all on Goodell or just playing out the league. But pretty much it's going to be up to the league, which is kind of funny in itself. But anyway, um, they don't want to be the bad guys first. They want to. They want someone else to put it out, and then they can say, "Oh yeah, that's fine," or "Oh no, we've you know, let's see how the uh, reaction comes out." Everyone was up in arms about it, so they were like, "Oh well, I guess uh, yeah, we'll, we'll appeal that." So the NFL has appealed the ruling. I have seen reports uh, by credible people um, that it could be an indefinite suspension, if not at least one year. Um, I've heard 12 games. I've heard um, that it could be 16 games and then just kind of like let them play the last two, whatever it may. And then I've also seen that uh, there will be a fine either on, you know, because of his signing bonus or, you know, his guaranteed money, whatever it is. Um, So, Cody, with all this and as of right now, we don't know any information on what the suspension will actually be. A lot of people reporting that it's only going to be 12 because if it's more than 12, the NFLPA could sue the NFL and we're going to have this whole thing. What do you believe the punishment should be? Minus all the factors of the NFLPA, minus all the factors of outside people, you know, some people saying there's no evidence, which we're, I'm, I'm not going to get into right now, but what do you think it should be? And then... After you answer that, what do you think it actually will be? I personally would like to see it at at least a year. I think that's base for a year. And the reason why is because, um, you know, Sue Robinson, as you mentioned, her explanation for the six games is because she's maintaining the precedent that the NFL has set, which means that previous cases prior to this, this is essentially what the maximum is that they have given. So that she's doing her best to give the maximum that she feels within the guidelines and the and the in in respect to what she's allowed to give, I think is how I interpret it. But in the in the explanation continuous down from there, she also said that this is one of the worst cases that she's uh, read about. There was four confirmed ones, and they're uh, pretty detailed and pretty um, pretty disturbing from what uh, from what the report said. So just hearing that alone, I, we already knew that it was bad with 25 or 26 civil lawsuits. None of them went criminal. We understand that. Um, you know, that's not to mention the additional 40 plus that went unreported. Uh, I think it was from a New York post or Washington post that released that it was up to 66. And that's the ones that came forward. Didn't press. That's also the ones that remained silent. So For me, I want to see a minimum of a year. I think that's baseline just in general. Um, You want to, um, I mean, you want to protect the, um, you know, the shield, so to speak. Then I think this is where it starts. The NFL is terrible about uh, standing up for women or children or any, you know, injustices in that sense. So I think if the NFL wants to save face and do anything that is, you know, even remotely close to what the right thing is. I think the right thing is at least a year. And uh, that's for me, that's being very, very uh, uh, tamed at this point because I've gone on with you that I think he should be out of the NFL. You know, there's been players that have done far less 
um, and didn't get an opportunity or their career was over. You know, uh, Ray Rice had a domestic incident that was on camera. It was about his then fiance, now wife. And he hasn't had an opportunity since. Um, You know, you had Josh Gordon that basically had his career cut short from marijuana use, which is now legal in a majority of the country. (laughs) Um, You know, you have Calvin Ridley just now spent $1,500 on a parlay of a team that he wasn't even playing with at the time. And he wasn't even a part of the game. And he's suspended for the entire year. Um, Colin Kaepernick, he kneeled for for, uh, social justice. And he has been blackballed by the NFL. So just on that, it needs to be a minimum of a year. Where I think that they will probably cut it even is Goodell is, I think, making a show of it by by putting in the reports that he wants an indefinite suspension or at least up to a year. Um, and I think what they're going to do is they're going to find a happy medium by about, I think they're going to cite on 10 games. I'm not going to be happy with 10 games, but it's 10 games. And I think what I'm more frustrated with is that the Browns had found a way to be sly enough to work in Deshaun Watson's contract that he will only be a 1 million cap hit in the event that he is suspended for any amount of time. And I would really have liked to see the NFL find the find specifically Deshaun Watson furthermore than uh, that 1 million and the Browns on top of that, because it just sounds like this is, I know it's an inside job. They're trying to protect this guy, but you have a feeling that, they knew that something was going to come down pretty bad to where they hedged their bets in a sense where they were like, okay, if you're out for a year, you'll get still a majority of your money, you know, afterwards. Um, and then I've also heard that Deshaun Watson uh, has showed essentially no remorse. He doesn't believe he did anything wrong, but the Browns are saying, oh yeah, he's very remorseful. They're not even on the same page when it comes to defending himself or, you know, showing accountability. My, I would want to see, like I said, a year as the base. But I have a feeling we're going to side on 10 games and then move on, which is kind of upsetting because, you know, he, he's he's he should be praying every single day that he's not behind bars, that, you know, he didn't get picked. None of these charges got picked up criminally, because if it's if it's as bad as the reports say, like he's lucky to be walking the streets as of today and he's lucky that it's only civil suits. And, you know, everyone's going to come out with, well, he was he's not charged of anything and he's not guilty. You cannot tell me that 25 civil suits plus 66 other women is all all a hoax for one person. So miss me with that. But that's what I think will end up happening with this whole fiasco. I I, I mean, I hope at least it's a year. I hate the word indefinite suspension because all that means is we're going to suspend him until everyone forgets about it. Then we'll let him come back. Then it'll kind of come up a little bit here and there, but everyone's going to get over it. I hate that because the NFL does this all the time. We're like, oh, it's an indefinite suspension or it's an indefinite amount of money, you know, and you're just like, okay, all that means is you don't know yet. You're going to wait until it kind of blows over a little bit. Then we'll, then we'll talk about it. So I hate when you talk about indefinite suspension because all that means is once this blows over, then he can come back. What I want is exactly what you want. I think he should, I mean, at least in my opinion, I think it should at least be uh, a year per woman that he got actually accused of. So uh, let's say, uh, you know, he's actually found guilty or in the civil suit found guilty uh, with six women, he should be suspended for six years, one year, every woman, because it is ridiculous that just because it's civil, 
that it doesn't mean anything. There's a lot of these things that only go civil because maybe they don't have, um, you're talking about like, I'm talking about murders, <laughs> okay? I'm talking about people who there's not enough evidence to say this person did it, but all signs point to him. It's just they can't, as a uh, as a state, can't actually physically prosecute him and miss me with the whole, well, you know, he wasn't found guilty, so you're okay if he lives right next to you. And I'm sure the half of, more than half of those people would say, no, I don't want him next to me. <laughs> That's okay. You know, because it's exactly that. You're, because you're at a distance, your arm's length away, you can say, oh, he wasn't even found guilty, blah, blah, blah. And let's not, let's make this clear, everyone, that these still can go criminal. These cases can still go criminal. It's not that it's once you do civil, that's it. If they get more, they can go criminal investigation and he could still serve time. So let's not get that twisted. There is still a possibility that this guy never sees a football field. And to be honest, I'm with you. I don't think he should. I am married. I have a wife. I have a daughter. I don't want someone who does that. And if that happened to my daughter, if that happened to my wife, believe you me, I would be up front protesting this guy every single day. And I was sick, sick to my stomach, seeing the video of Deshaun Watson at, at training camp with all these Cleveland uh, mayo, fried mayo balls, uh, eating people coming over there. Please sign my, sign my stuff, sign my stuff. Listen, you're sick. You're sick. And you're probably the kind of person that loves, as my wife and I are watching The Handmaid's Tale, you're probably one of those people who are like, oh man, this would be fantastic if our world was like this. And if you're that kind of person, I don't ever want you to listen to me. I don't ever want you to listen to this podcast because believe you me, I do not like you. I do not. I know that may be harsh, but I, I feel disgusted about this. I, I, it's funny that you brought up the Colin Kaepernick. He's been completely blackballed by the whole NFL because he kneeled. Because he kneeled. He didn't do anything wrong criminally, civilly. He didn't do anything like that. He kneeled during a anthem. And we're pissed off about that. Yet, Deshaun Watson possibly... 66 massage therapists that he had some sexual misconduct with and we're like, ah, eh, there's not enough evidence. Give me a break. You gotta be kidding me. Seriously, like, what are your morals? Like, how do you seriously go day to day and be okay with the way you, that you live if you believe that? I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And hey, if it comes out that these, you know, 25 women who, who are pushing for the civil suit, all got together and decided to say the same story, then you know what? I will be the first person to apologize. But I call me crazy. I think it's kind of hard for 25 or 26 women to come together and have the same story and literally no one break. Right. And I think what's more disgusting too is like with the Houston Texans, for example, they supplied him the venue. They set up the yes. therapists. They also supplied the NDAs to make all this kind of a situation happen that basically gave him this appetite. Um, 
you know, the NFL is really great about showing how much they care about women and children, like I mentioned, and they don't give two two dams about it. So nope. made it very clear. Um, you know, I think anything short for a lot of people, anything short of a long, long suspension is going to, you know, be a waste of time. And it's unfortunate, you know, um, I'd hate to keep beating a dead horse, but like, at, just like you, I have a wife and I have a daughter and it's sickening that, uh, you know, I'd even say in this country, we just treat women as if they don't exist. Uh, we're, you know, that's a whole nother topic that I don't want to get into but the nfl is mirroring that very well of how they see those that aren't of male and athletic built if you're talented you can literally get away with damn yep. near anything and and you can still be on the field somehow some way but the minute you, you know, express yourself of something that is wrong which is a fact that it is wrong you know for example, Colin, Ka uh, Colin Kaepernick's kneeling of the national anthem because of uh, police brutality. You know, and they're going to let you know, oh, that's not acceptable here. But you can beat a woman or you can sexually assault them and, you know, oh, we'll let you sit out for a few games and then we'll come back when the heat's over. But, you know, yeah, just just don't kneel. That's where we cross the line. You know, don't don't fight for more rights or for the yeah. ability to live. That's where it's where we could draw the line. So, anyways, this is a a whole rabbit hole that we're going down, and uh, I think we're very passionate and very um, opinionated about this for obvious reasons. And uh, you know, the NFL just needs to do better at demonstrating some, uh, you know, protecting women and you know those that are being violated or hurt by players of the NFL and instead of rewarding them with a timeout they should really make a difference and show that it's not acceptable yeah I agree all right Cody well let's let's uh let's calm down here I know we're getting we're both getting a little worked up let's have a little more NFL talk <laughs> even though we're kind of smashing them right now <laughs> This is such a terrible transition. I hate myself right now. Anyway, um, let's talk about our NFL predictions, which we haven't done in like three weeks. Um, and obviously my fault. So sorry about that. But let's talk about the NFC East. So we have gone through the AFC North, NFC North. We have gone through the AFC South, the NFC South. And now we are on the NFC East, AFC East. We're going to be doing NFC East today. And if you're not familiar with the NFCs, that is the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Washington Commanders. So, Cody, let's go in order. I will let you go first. Um, who is your number four team in the NFC East? What is their record and why? Number four team for me in the East is going to be the New York Giants. I have them finishing at four and 13. I'm not very high on this team i know that they have a new head coach who was the former bills oc and you know i like to think that he will make a difference offensively which i think he will i mean obviously you can't get any worse than joe judge that guy was just um you know it had no idea what he was doing offensively and 
I think the only shining bright spot of that was their defense, which obviously they can only take so much when you turn the ball over as much as Daniel Jones does. But anyways, I do think that the Giants will have a couple of shining wins in their division, but I don't see them going very far. I think that this is the last year for Daniel Jones. And I actually do believe that the Giants are a quarterback away from being like a competitive team. And I mean competitive as in like maybe a wild card push of a team. Their defense isn't that bad. Um, you know, they do need some more offensive line pieces, I'd say, because it is, it is still pretty bad at, uh, up to this date. Uh, but, you know, if Saquon Barkley can stay healthy, I think he would be a great offensive piece. He is a multi-weapon type of running back. You know, they have actually a decent receiving core and some young receivers on rookie contracts. And I think if they keep them together and get a good quarterback that can find the ball, I think that the Giants can actually be decent, but not this year. I think that with Daniel Jones still at quarterback, they're going to be a bottom team at best. I don't see him. I don't see Daniel Jones carrying them anywhere. I don't care how many rushing touchdowns he has. He's not getting them better than four and thirteen, in my opinion. I actually heard um, a, a report that maybe the Giants should think about going after Jimmy Garoppolo. Now I know they're they're saying that they want to see how it'll go with Daniel Jones for one more year. We know who Daniel Jones is. I don't understand why we're doing this, but anyway, maybe make a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo, if he was on the Giants, do you think they could potentially be second, if not first, in the NFC East, in your opinion? I don't think first or second, but I would say they would be... I would say they'd be closer to 500 than than anything. And and I'm going to be completely honest. One of the teams I have here in second place is not even at... 500. So just just in full disclosure, uh, I will, I'll tell the team obviously throughout. But I think if the Giants did have Jimmy G, I think that is a significant quarterback upgrade in terms of experience, understanding defenses, uh, being smart with taking care of the football. Now, granted, Jimmy G is a slinger. Sometimes he's pretty careless when it comes to turnovers. But not. I think you know Daniel Jones is on a whole nother level when it comes to turnovers, but I do believe that if the Giants did have a Jimmy G, yeah, could I see them finishing the year at eight and nine, maybe nine and eight? Absolutely. And that's honestly is potentially could be second place in the NFC East. And, you know, who knows with how weak the uh, NFC is, that could easily get them in the wild card. But I do think that Jimmy G would make them that much better as opposed to Daniel Jones. Um. I, I would actually think they would be second place because uh, I'm very high on the Eagles. Uh, so if they did get Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they would be second place, in my opinion, possibly making a playoff push. Um, and the reason I say that is they have a very favorable matchup, which is why I have – they're at number four, but a very close number four. I have them at 6-11. and 11. So last year they did go 4-13, and 13, but I really like Brian Dable. I think he is going to be a really good head coach. Is he going to fix Daniel Jones? Probably not. We know who Daniel Jones is. He fumbles a ton. Okay. 
no amount of coaching is going to fix that. That is what he's done in his first, what, three, four years now. Um, that's not going to change now. I mean, he might get a little bit smarter. He might have a few less fumbles. But for the most part, he is going to still have this issue of fumbling. So that is why I have them 6-11. and 11. But they face teams like the Lions. They face teams like the Panthers, the Texans. Uh, I have them splitting uh, games against every team in this division. And then I have, you know, they could beat a Chicago team. Uh, they could potentially beat a Jacksonville team. They could possibly beat a Tennessee team. Um, and they also face Seattle, which I have uh, could go either way. So for me, I do really feel like the the Giants have a favorable schedule that if they made it a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, I actually really like this team. But because of Daniel Jones, I think he's an okay thrower of the football. I don't think he's terrible, but I don't think he's going to get you over the hump anyway. But I do think Brian Dable is a good enough coach to add a couple more wins to Daniel Jones's repertoire, and, and we'll see what they end up doing. But I really hope they actually trade for it because I think this defense is actually pretty decent. Um, they have a talented offense. If you don't, if you minus Daniel Jones for me, that offensive line is not bad. Uh, Saquon Barkley, he had a really bad year. Obviously, he was hurt a lot of the year, so uh, we'll see if he can stay healthy. And Kenny Galladay, I mean, although he didn't catch a touchdown all year, um, you could blame that on the quarterback. And if he has a quarterback who at least can can throw him a little bit more, like a Jimmy Garoppolo can, um, I think you could have a lot more success than than what you would think. And then they have uh, Tony, or uh, I think it's I think it's Tooney. Uh, I can't think of their their um, other receiver, but he had a really good year last year, uh, even though he was a rookie. I mean, and he's on a bad team. So, you know, how good of a year did he really have? But honestly, this is a talented team that can win a few more games if they just made a move at quarterback. But as of right now, if they're going to keep Daniel Jones, I, you know, I don't see them doing much other than a six and 11 uh, record, possibly less. Um, so, I will go into my number three, and then I'll throw it to you. So then you can do two, and yada, yada, yada. So my number three team is Washington Commanders. I have them at 7 and 10, so just to win above the Giants. They Honestly, the NFC East, if it wasn't for their schedule, I think they would be a lot worse than what they are. Um, you know, they face, I mean, oh, it seems like every team faces Chicago. Oh, they all do. Uh, they all face Detroit. Um, Jacksonville, uh, obviously they all face each other at some point. I see Houston a lot. I see, um, Green Bay, Minnesota, which are games that I think are winnable. Um, you know, the commanders, although I don't think they're much better at quarterback, I do think they're slightly better at quarterback. Whatever you think about Carson Wentz, I don't think really matters at this point because Tyler Henneke, although he was nice and he was a he was a surprise he had some success I think he is a better backup and I think we all know that Carson Wentz although we don't agree that he should probably be a starter for much longer he is better than Tyler Henneke and so I think for me the Washington Commanders have a good defense they have a good running back core they have a good receiving core um their offensive line is not awful and like I said, their defense is actually pretty nice. So I, I really like the Commanders. 
Honestly, if it wasn't for Carson Wentz, I think I would have them a lot higher. But, um, you know, I've just seen the best of Carson Wentz and the last couple of years is kind of hard to unsee. Um, and, and unfortunately, that's what we have to go off of. And, I mean, hopefully Carson Wentz can get back to at least half of what he was in Philadelphia, but I really don't see that happening, uh, unfortunately. And so that's why I have the Washington Commanders at three um, in the division at seven and ten. So, Cody, who is your number three and why? So number three for me also at seven and ten is actually the Dallas Cowboys. So, in my opinion, losing Amari Cooper in for me is a pretty big loss. I mean, he was statistically their number one receiver. I know that they're CD Lamb. Will he have a, a good season? I, I think he will, sure. But I don't know how well Michael Gallup will be after uh, after ACL injury. Um, I believe Cedric Wilson is still their uh, third receiver as well. I know they have uh, Dalton Schultz. So this offense is okay. Their offensive line gets injured pretty often now because because it's a lot older, you know, years ago when it was Dak's rookie year with Zeke's rookie year, that was elite. It was probably number one in the league. But now after all these years, it's gotten older. It's getting more injured more frequently. Gil uh, Elliott, you know, how did, for some reason, he just, he comes on pretty strong in the year to start. Yeah. In the middle of the season, he kind of tails off and then he kind of, comes back towards the end but you know you have uh, Tony Pollard that's essentially taking his carries from him now that's looking like the better featured back so I think there's a lot of confusion there I got to be honest man I know that you're a Mike Mike McCarthy kind of a guy but I think him coaching this team is his last season I don't think he's doing that great I think that he is kind of dealt with a he's he's dealt with it pretty well I think they're more over because of their talent, but I think that they've lost too much of that talent to overcome. I don't really believe in their defense. I know that uh, you know Trayvon Diggs is a is a very good cornerback. Is he a shutdown elite type of quarterback like a Jalen Ramsey? No, I don't believe so. Is he really good though? Yeah. Uh, Micah Parsons is a very good defensive edge rusher, but outside of that, they just signed an, an aging uh, Anthony Barr. I don't think that. Changed as much other than give them additional depth but age as well so i just don't believe in dallas this season i think seven and ten is probably what i see them as and obviously i have them winning some games in their division uh but i don't see them i don't see them having a great year and i don't think it's any fault of dax of his own i just think that this team is just due for a bad season for a coaching change and then when they add in a couple of different pieces Maybe they'll find success, but I don't believe it's this. All right. So who is your number two team in the NFC East? Number two team in the NFC East for me is the Washington Commanders. I had them at eight and nine. So I have them just a game above, I think, what you had them at. Um, I do I do agree with you. Carson Wentz, in my opinion, is a quarterback upgrade from Tyler Hineke. Um He did serviceable but you can tell he's probably better served in a backup role there was just some games where he the game was close and he just couldn't hang with the shootout I think Carson Wentz is better suited for that I like Ron Rivera a lot more for Carson Wentz than uh, 
Frank Reich. Not that Frank Reich wasn't a good coach for Carson Wentz, but even though Carson Wentz only spent one season with the Colts, almost got them into the playoffs, he had a really good season. I mean, did he throw it four to 5,000 yards? No. But did he protect the ball and did he air it out when needed? And they obviously used Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. And I think if Washington can kind of mirror that, but I like Ron Rivera, I think he's a lot more structured in his team. And I think that that'll bode well for, uh, for Wentz. You know, he's got some, I, in my opinion, some upgrade at weapons. I like Terry McLaurin a lot more than Michael Pittman Jr. And I really like Curtis Samuel, who was injured majority of the season last year. So he didn't even get on the field until towards the end. And you can just tell him and him, he just didn't have that chemistry. So, uh, you know, I really like his weapons that he has in terms of receiver. Uh, you know, Antonio Gibson is a very good running back. I don't know if they're a playoff team, though, unfortunately. I think that there is a lot of question marks at defense for them. How is Chase Young going to look when he comes back from injury? So I have them finishing at 8-9 at second, and I don't even see them getting a wild card, obviously, being under 500. But, you know, I do I do like the commanders being second, and I think the credit to their record will come from more of the defense and the offense. Because, again, Ron Rivera always has this defense ready to go. Uh, it's just when the offense gives up too many opportunities to the opposing team, that's what usually gives way uh, to the commanders. They did have success last year. I mean, last year they went, excuse me, sorry, they went 12-5. and five. They weren't a terrible team. Now, they were in a terrible division. They definitely benefited from that. So, yes, you can talk about that. And, yes, they also lost Amari Cooper. Now, Amari Cooper did struggle with a lot of injuries last year, and they did lose a lot on defense. So I'm a little concerned by, by that. But I am also a little bit encouraged. Dak Prescott, I think, was still pretty good last year. And as you said, their offensive line is completely depleted. Uh, you know, they're constantly injured now. It seems like, yes, at one point they were at the top of their game. They were the best in the league. But right now, they're still really good. But when they're injured, they're not as good. And so you kind of are reliant on that. Ezekiel Elliott, as you mentioned, may not be the best running back on their team right now. And he's getting paid like he's the best running back in the league. So um, we'll see how that goes uh, for the Cowboys. But, you know, they have nice weapons. I mean, as much as we're down on Ezekiel Elliott, he's still a decent catching running back. He's obviously a guy you can still play. And then Tony Pollard is a nice um, is a nice player as well. So Dak has weapons. CeeDee Lamb is, I, I'm not sure if he's ready to be wide receiver one just yet, but I also do think he has the talent for it. So I don't think it's that far-fetched to say he could still have a great year. I like Cedric Wilson. I think he's a nice player. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see how their other receivers, uh, work out, but the Cowboys, I think are going to be okay. I, I worry about the defense. That's, that's my biggest worry. I think they, as you said, yes, they got Anthony Barr, but they lost, you know, they lost, uh, Gregory to the, to the Broncos and then, uh, they lost, um, oh man, I can't, I'm blanking right now. Oh, they lost another uh, defensive back. I can't even think of it right now. But they lost big starters in uh, on their team. And so, listen, you can't lose <laughs> – 
some of your starters on defense where your defense was kind of more closer to the last place than the uh, middle. (laughs) And so you can't lose two important starters and think that you're going to do better. And as much as I love Lawrence as a pass rusher, he has been getting injured a lot these last couple of years. Um, and now you only have one guy instead of two guys on, on each side. So uh, you're really reliant on Lawrence, and I'm not sure he can handle all that pressure. So for me, the Dallas Cowboys got worse on defense, which means they're going to get worse as a team. I think their offense will pick them up some games, and they're going to, again, they're going to benefit from their, from their schedule, and they're going to benefit from the division that they're in because I don't think the Giants or Commanders are all that fantastic. But I do also think that they are going to split games with those teams. Um, and I think uh, we're going to talk about our number one teams here in a second. Uh, but the Eagles, I think, are going to completely run away with this division. And I think it's going to get in the Cowboys' head because, you know, they face teams like the Rams. They face teams like the Colts, the Buccaneers, the Bengals. Uh, you know, as I'm not very high on the Vikings, but a lot of people are. I think the Vikings are going to be an interesting team to watch. So this is a team, and the Packers too. So this is a team that is going to have a lot of benefits on their schedule, but they're also going to have really lows on their schedule. So for me, Dallas Cowboys are going to be the number two team at 8-9. and nine. So, Cody, who is your number one team? Well, we know who the number one team is, but why are they your number one team and on what record? So, the Philadelphia Eagles are my number one team. I have them finishing with a record of 13-4. and four. I do like their offense. I believe that their offensive line is very good. I think Jalen Hurts in uh, in this year will have a pretty good-sized uh, leap ahead in terms of maturity and his ability to command the offense. I think having a full off season and also to the uh, acquisition of AJ Brown is huge considering that he still has his buddy Smith from when they were in uh, Alabama together. So I really like that combo. I do like uh, Dallas Goddard a lot as well. Um, I think that their defense is significantly underrated. I think it's one of the things that's not talked about the most in terms of they probably have a probably top five pass rush and not that's not even including that their secondary is probably in the top 10 as well they have some really ball really good ball hawks out there on the on the outside so I like the Eagles again I think that they are going to have a pretty I don't want to say easy schedule but in terms of this division I think that they are going to run away with it Uh, do they lose some games to their divisional opponents sure I think every uh, divisional uh, game is somewhat brings out the best in every team. So I see no difference in that in terms of the Eagles, but I just like this offense a lot better. I think AJ Brown gives them a uh, physicality at the receiving position that Smith could not. I see Jalen Hurts having like a Russell Wilson type season where he's, uh, you know, rushing the ball. I think he's making better decisions with throwing the ball. And I, that's why I have Philadelphia ending the uh, ending their season at 13 and four. And, getting the uh, NFC East first place. Well, surprise, surprise. I have the Eagles in first place too. I have them (laughs) at 12 and five. So a game below you. Um, I don't hate your, your 13 and four. I don't see any reason to be like, no, they couldn't win one more game. (laughs) I don't (laughs) see the argument in that. So uh, I just have them at 12 and five because I do want to kind of be, 
I I guess I'm trying to be a little realistic because I really like this Eagles team. But as you were talking, you were talking about Jalen Hurts. I feel like the Eagles are a, a little reliant on Jalen Hurts. And mm-hmm. the only thing that I'm a little worried about is in the past, at least in college, we have seen the really low side of Jalen Hurts, and we've seen the high side of Jalen Hurts. And last year, I don't think we saw the height of Jalen Hurts, but I thought we saw a very good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried because he's had success before and has trailed back, had a couple of years where he really was just kind of the backup to Tua, went to Oklahoma, and had a great year, and that was with Lincoln Riley. So I am still a little hesitant on Jalen Hurts, but I can at least admit Jalen Hurts is an accurate guy. He's a guy who can run. That's what I have an issue with, though, is he's going to run. I'm a little mm-hmm. afraid he may end up getting injured. He's a big guy. He's 6'1", 223, so he is built really well, but he can take some beatings, and he does make some minor mistakes. He doesn't have the strongest of arms, um, and so you know, I, I, I worry about a lot of his decision-making. That's usually what my biggest issue with Jalen Hurts is, is his decision-making. But last year, he overall was pretty successful with an Eagles team that we didn't think was going to be all that good. We thought mm-hmm. they may end up being like, you know, a six and eleven team. I'll have to, you know, check my notes of previous years. Um, let's see, the Eagles. I had them. Oh, I had them last year going eleven five. So I'm completely wrong with my synopsis. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they went nine and eight. So they were okay. They weren't great, uh, but they were a team that was pushing for uh, for a, a playoff spot. And um, they not only got better, but they kept their core and got better at skill positions. Now, if Jalen Hurts goes out, I do think Gardner Minshew is a guy who can keep that Eagles team pretty well intact. Now, do I think they'd go 12-5? and five? No, I'd probably say more like a 10-7, and seven, possibly 9-8. and eight. But if you go 9-8, and eight, according to our records right now, they're still mm-hmm. the first-place team in that NFC East. So... I like this Eagles team so much. As you said, I, I'm very low on Miles Sanders right now. He really struggled last year. Kenneth yep. Gainwell uh, actually really benefited from his down year and uh, Boston Scott as well. Um, but listen to their receiving core. You have an A.J. Brown, of course. We You talked enough about him. I don't need to add anything. He's spectacular. Devontae Smith as you had mentioned, is a um, college teammate of um, Jalen Hurts, so they already have that uh, good core there. They have Jalen Rieger, who actually is starting to look a little bit. He's getting more comfortable because they're not relying on him as their number one or number two guy. He could be their number three or sometimes number four option, and that's okay. That seems to suit him a lot better. But another guy Mm -hmm. that I think is very underrated is Zach Paschal. Uh, He's coming over from the Colts. And he's 6'2". So A.J. Brown, he's 6'1". He could be a um, red zone threat, but Devontae Smith is only 6 feet. Jalen Rieger's 5'11". So Pascal is the uh, taller of the receivers, kind of tied with another guy, John Hightower, who who may or may not be uh, on the team. But Pascal could be be a good target in the red zone. Um, And I wouldn't be remiss if I didn't say... Carrick Wheatfall could potentially make this team. Carrick Wheatfall is a receiver coming out of Fresno State. 
He was mm-hmm. great for Fresno State. He's a really good receiver. He's actually 6'1 as well. He's very athletic. He's got good hands. Wheatfall could make this team, and he could actually make some some good moves. As you had mentioned too, Dallas Goddard is, an, is a really good guy, and Richard Rodgers is a nice plug-in tight end. Uh, whenever they needed an additional tight end. And even Tyree Jackson had a, had a few uh, good plays too. He's more of the blocker tight end, but he can he can do some stuff. And then their offensive line is completely stacked still. I mean, obviously at the helms with Jason Kelsey. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And then obviously Lane Johnson as well, who's a uh, Hall of Famer in the making. Uh, Brandon yeah. Graham, pass rusher he may not be who he was but he's still a very talented defender josh sweat uh who uh, is going to be uh, a good player especially on this eagles team he's not Mm -hmm. the uh, highlighted defender so he can fly under the radar that's perfect for him fletcher cox the you know obviously a uh, big time defender in the middle of that defense uh, their linebacking core is probably going to be the weaker side of their of their defense. But as you had said, that DB, that backfield, that James Bradbury, who I really like still. Avante yeah. Maddox had some really good plays. He's only going to get better. Um, you know, Darius Slay, who I, a lot of people are off. They're like, oh, he's he's really falling apart. He really has. He really isn't asked to do what he was asked to do in Detroit. So uh, he's just not making all the plays that they wanted him to. But he's still a really solid defender. And then their special teams is really good with Jake Elliott as their kicker. Elliott kind of yep. struggled at times this this past year, but I I think overall he's still a really good kicker. Um, I would take him in in fantasy if if I needed to. So um, this is a really good Eagles team. And I'm not going to lie to you. I think this Eagles team can go far in in the playoffs. Do I think they can make the Super Bowl? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they're that good yet. But I think mm-hmm. this is the year where they're going to show. Hey, next year, this team, as long as Jalen Hurts stays healthy and can do what he did last year and maybe take a mm-hmm. step further, um, this could be a team that we're going to say this could be a dark horse or not even a dark horse could be a uh, Super Bowl bound type of a team i think this team is that good yeah i'd agree i think that they i would not be surprised if obviously season happens playoffs happen and they are matched up in the divisional round and they're you know in the hunt for um you know getting the conference championship i can easily see them getting that close i i think this this team could surprise a lot of people and it and it's uh It'll be interesting to see. I cannot wait. Philadelphia has been an interesting city for over the past few years. And, uh, you know, I agree. Their offense is predicated around Jalen Hurts. But, I mean, I get it. He's young and he's only going to get better from here. It's just there's something going on with – with this off season. And it it feels like that they're they're due for something special. So, it'll be great. So just to recap, so in my uh, NFC East, I have New York Giants going fourth with four and thirteen, Dallas Cowboys seven and ten, Commanders at number two with uh, eight and nine record, and then Philadelphia Eagles thirteen and four record. Drew, what do you got? I have the New York Giants in fourth place uh, with a six and eleven record. I have the Washington Commanders in third place at seven and ten record. The Dallas Cowboys in second place with an 8-9 record, and the Philadelphia Eagles rounding it out in the NFC East at 1 uh, with a record of 12-5. and five. 
Right on. Well, um, I, you know what, I, Cody, I just wanted to mention this too. I was just looking at my, all my records. I mean, the Eagles right now in the NFC, they're my third best team in the NFC. So, yeah. you know, I, I mean, if dream dream matchup in in the NFC Championship for me would be the Buccaneers and Rams. But if mm-hmm. it can't be that, one of those teams being out and plugging the Eagles, I think it would actually be yeah. really interesting. I think this team is so good. Now, this would be really sad if they end up not even coming close to it. Um, I know. And I do think it does really highly rely on Jalen Hurts. As much as I think mm-hmm. Minshew could hold down the fort, I think it does change that team significantly. Um, I do think Hertz is better than Minshew. I, th- I think it's kind of ridiculous when people are like Minshew is is so good. I think he's okay. Okay, I'm not. I'm yeah. not. I don't think he's trash, but I don't think he's also a guy who could make an Eagles team a 12 and five team. I think he could at make uh, at best uh, possibly like an eight and nine team. I think they would be more like nine and eight because I think this team is too talented yeah. to to be under 500. But um, like I said before, that would make them still the number one team in the NFC East, and uh, and that's yeah. okay. I think that's all you would need. But if you're not getting Hurts back, then that's a problem. Yeah, well, then I'll tell you, because I finished all my record predictions already, so I've got this mapped out all the way to the end. I actually have the Eagles as the number one seed in the NFC, just based on records. Of course, they're going to win the division. Uh, that doesn't mean that they have the best record in all of the NFC. That just means that I have them first. I have them as a first seed just because the wild card teams that I have, they are coming. They're they're basically gonna not win their division, but they're going to sneak in. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles claim the number one seed. I mean, I know that there's the Buccaneers, but you know they shocked a lot of people. I had the Buccaneers high at like 15 and one record, and <laughs> they finished at like 12 and five. So I came down to earth. But uh, you know, Philadelphia. I would not be surprised. So yeah, I I mean, to your credit, the NFC West is is a very difficult division. Whether whatever you say about Seattle or San Francisco, listen, San Francisco is still a talented team. Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo, it doesn't really matter in my opinion. I think both of them are still going to be. Those defenses are at least tough. Arizona, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I'm not very high on Kyler after all the turmoil that he had during this offseason, but he's still a talented quarterback. Talk about the Buccaneers. Well, you know, a lot of people are high on the Saints, which I wasn't, and I regretted it, and I think that the Saints are going to be a tough team to beat. I don't think the Falcons are going to be that complete rollover team. I think as much as I'm not very high on the Panthers, again, I don't think they're that rollover team. I think those divisions are a lot harder than the NFC uh, East is in my opinion um, but yeah. I do feel like um, you know exactly what you were saying the Eagles could end up being the number one seed I have them at number three just because I think that's how good the Buccaneers and Rams are but um, we'll see fair enough alright Cody well that's it we've exhausted everything <laughs> no need to no need to talk about sports anymore um, thank you guys so much for joining us we do appreciate all of that um, we were going to get to some Drew Take questions but we've ran out of time about 30 minutes ago so uh, anyway we, we really appreciate all you guys uh, you know watching us listening to us wherever, whatever it is whether you watch us on TikTok YouTube uh, or you just listen to us via podcast 
whatever it is we do uh, always appreciate that you guys are um, still listening and and still appreciate that we're putting out content so thank you guys very much but I do want to say uh, go check us out on our, all of our social media which is uh, Twitter Facebook Instagram obviously I mentioned TikTok which are all Drew Code Sports Talk um, except for Twitter which is like Drew underscore code so it's really the only difference but everything else is the same uh, so go check us out on that. Um, also, go um, rate and review on all the uh, major podcast sites, which is going to be uh, iHeartRadio, um, Spotify, and um, Apple. So go check us out and give us a five-star review. That way uh, we can continue to do what we do and let us know what you like about it so that way we can keep doing that. If it is a one-star, though... Um, well, I don't like you. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. No, if it's a one star, please let us know what you don't like. So that way we can get better because all we're trying to do is be better. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, that's the name of the game. And uh, as Derek Jeter said, as I've been watching the Captain series, uh, you really don't learn anything unless you fail. So if we get a one star, I'm OK with it because it's only going to make me better. So, hey, that's all right. So give us a review. We want to hear from you. And uh, also download them, of course, and listen to them so we can get all those listens as well. Uh, Obviously, I mentioned we're also on YouTube, so we appreciate uh, you guys watching those. And please like the videos, comment on the videos, uh, all that jazz, because we always want to hear from you. And uh, if you have any questions, want us to answer a question on the on the podcast, um, please let us know what your question is. Sometimes we're on YouTube live and when we are, ask us live questions because we want to answer you right then and there. So please interact with us. We always want to interact with you. And also, please go check out FNXFitness.com. Uh, they are our great partners. They are guys who uh, have great workout gear, great workout supplements, Cody, you are the gear guy, and I am the supplement guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just had a fifty percent off sale. Uh, I believe it was their anniversary or their their birthday. Um, so they were having yeah. a big sale going on. So they are always having sales. So go check them out, and they do run out quickly. So go do it. Go mm-hmm. check it out. Uh, and you can actually get fifteen percent off by using your code. It'll be in the link in the podcast, YouTube videos, TikToks. Twitter, whatever it is, we have the links everywhere. So just go look for it and you can use it and you, you can get 15% off your whole purchase uh, by using our promo code. So thank you guys so much. I'm going to throw it over to Cody. He will finish us off. Cody. That's right, guys. Again, thank you all so much for listening to us. We are so fortunate that you guys hang out with us all the time. As Drew had said, check us out on all the socials, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, this podcast is now being powered by riverside.fm so if you guys are interested in joining your own podcast uh, go ahead and sign up there's a special link that we have for you guys where you guys can create your own podcast and begin recording just like we are Uh, there's a lot of cool features actually if you can hear there's a track of ours that's playing in there Uh, riverside.fm lets you uh, let you do all that so we highly encourage that you guys sign up for it and just begin your guys' podcast journey. That's been, what, two years that we've been doing this faithfully, and it's been a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're... Sorry, I didn't know if you wanted me to add... <laughs> I didn't know you wanted me to add anything. Sorry. Anyways, guys, so again, we are very appreciative of you guys. All the 
all the links that you guys need for socials, podcast downloads, all in the description down below. We are so thankful for you guys. Check us out on our next week episode. We'll be doing the AFC East record prediction and continuing the fun. Uh, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Raider game, but we'll have some Raider talk coming up in the near future. Obviously, it's it's bound to happen. Uh, it and- was preseason. Calm down, guys. We don't <laughs> want to talk about preseason. Hey, we looked pretty good, though. All right, guys. Anyways, we appreciate you guys. Please be well. Please be kind to one another. And we will see you guys when we see you next week. So see everybody. As my son says, deuce. Deuce.